Cool. Rusty, live on the pod, Ben Earl, live from your parents' house. How are you doing, mate? You all right? All good, thank you. All good. Strong, and I'm enjoying the goatee you've gone. Uh, <laughs> old David Brent, top work. How's yeah, it? Dad's how- hating it, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. How's, uh, how's lockdown treating you? Lockdown is... It's interesting. It, well, I'd say it's not interesting. It's, a, it's testing mentally. Um, just trying to get by, really. Not trying to go stir crazy. Bit of training, bit of reading, um, bit of baking. But yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Nice. I'm enjoying it. And looking at houses in Bristol. Looking at houses in Bristol. That's a slow, slow process, but we'll see. Not far nice. off. Well, mate, I'm excited to have you on the pod. Uh, having had the pleasure of coaching you and definitely be some we can delve into that um do you want to kind of explain to people who you are where have you come from how have you ended up on the pod what's what's the journey so far so the journey i guess is um i reckon my journey started at the age of of 16 17 we've spoken about this um i played england age groups at england 16s i was about the same size i am now game was easy and and yeah thought i'd made it um a year later, I was very, very overweight, unfit, um, got told I wasn't going to make it and then had basically six to seven months to, um, to change some, uh, some preconceptions about me, get myself into decent shape and managed to uh, uh, get awarded a contract at Saris. Um And then I guess it was kind of a transition from um, public school where everything was given to you on a plate to you know having to work things out a little bit and you were you were a very small fish in in a big pond which is professional rugby and um it took me what this is my fourth fifth professional year and I reckon it took me four years to work it out I think I've only really sussed out the professional game and the culture in the last 10-11 months uh, in terms of off-field stuff and um what it takes to be a real professional and how to best prepare for games um, how to prepare for training, the value of training, um, and it, I guess that's kind of it all accumulated into the last couple of couple of months where um, I got my first cap, and and it kind of it's kind of a culmination of a lot of little things and a lot of tough lessons that I've learned along the way. I guess. Nice. When you say you've sussed out about training and professional rugby, what have you sussed out? Well, I guess I I always used to see. Um, I always used to approach training as an method. Just, just get through training. Just get through training so you can get picked for the weekend, so you can play. Because everyone just wants to play. But I guess um, again, in the last 12, 18 months, you got training is everything because you, you've got to find a way of gaining confidence for your coaches. You might trust you have confidence in yourself and your ability, but your coaches, unless you're training well, for we spoke. I spoke about this with a few of the younger boys the last couple of months. Unless you have an, a, a serious six-month block of severely good training to change preconceptions, to show you can train against world-class players, you're never going to get the opportunity that you think you deserve. And I guess that's, that's the challenge, is approaching these big training days as, as your matches when you know you're probably not going to play on the weekend. So you've got to approach them like it's a game. Um, and it took some adjusting. And it, you, it did, you did have to sometimes force yourself and, and twist your hand. But... Um, but yeah, I, fi- I finally kind of got to that mental set and I found a way to do that without, you know, without it being too forced. Nice. I love the way you're talking to the younger lads when I still think you're 17, 18. <laughs> um, who's helped you with that? So, I mean, 
Is it players? Is it coaches? How does that come about? Um, in terms of direct conversation, Adam Powell's been very good with me. Um, his, his big mantra, rightly or wrongly, uh, is, you know, is for the bibs. He, he runs the, the bibs and the, and the A-League team and the academy managers. His, his big ethos is win the session. So we have a, a tense, at Sarries, we have an intense session on the Tuesday. It's really the only time we have a proper 15 or 15. Um, and his, his big thing is, you know, let's win the session. Um, and it, it's, it's infectious. It rubs off on you. You, you. you adopt that view. And if you've got 15 players all doing that, you, you, you come out with a really, really good training session. Um, in terms of in, like, influence, inspiration, the Marrow and Owen are the two best trainers I've ever come across. Um, the way that Marrow can um, train relentlessly, constantly trying to get better is, again, infectious. Owen, um, in a slightly different way, has an, has an effect on the group that can make everyone um, make everyone train better. Um, he really it really replicates a match day when you have a proper Tuesday session at Saris, and and I guess that's kind of something you have to it takes some adjustment to. Nice. Well, let's rewind. Let's go back to uh, let's go back to the mighty Tunbridge School. Uh, to tell I mean, what's uh, with Morgs? Was Morgs coaching you when you were in the first team? So Morgs was yeah, Morgs was our, my coach from sixteen to eighteen. Yeah. Nice. Give me three words to describe him. Uh, charismatic, uh, charismatic, Welsh, and energetic. Yeah, nice, good guy. So, what was, I mean, what was that jump like? So, you spoke, we spoke a little bit offline about, well, actually, let's talk about, so you got picked for England 16s at that stage. I think you were doing pretty well at schoolboy rugby, I would say. Um, yeah. what, was, what was the impact of that? Um, well, like, like we said offline, it wasn't a good one for me. Uh, it might be different for other people, but it, it, it made me think that I, I'd made it as a professional rugby player, you know, wearing the rose and, um, you know, you were going to these schoolboy games and then was, oh, it's, it's been, oh, he's paid for England, whatever. Like, and it, it, you, you, I, I believed the hype and I kind of, I got got in that and kind of thought that I, it was a given that I was going to go and play for England seniors and it was a given that I was going to go and play 200 times a Saris. But um, it, like, needless to say, there's a lot more than that. Yeah, nice. And what, I mean, and then you, I got to coach with England 18s. So I would have been quite agitating for you, which I like. There's a couple of things I wrote down. So uh, one was, I remember you kicking the ball against Scotland uh, in Wales and away. So actually, you would have been the type of player I get quite excited about, probably because you're about five foot three. Um, what, why did you kick the ball? What was? I mean, is that something you did at school? Is that something you were? Would that be normal for no, you? No, it wasn't normal for me. And I, I think, without without blowing your own trumpet, I think you you, you guys created an environment which. Like I remember one of the, the first meetings we had as an 18s group we said, oh, um, Joe, like, you asked the prop, what was your job? And I think he said, he said, oh, you know, scrummaging and hit my breakdowns and carry hard. And, and, and Fletch said, what, what about kicking? What about passing from the base? And, you know, everyone was a bit like, what, what is this? This isn't like, this isn't the way to, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't rugby. And, you know, I think by the end of the session, by the end of our, our block, I think 
the forwards have probably kicked as much times as the backs. So I think that was a testament to the, the environment that was created by by yourself and 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 the boys buying, I guess. And and like so, for me to kick the ball is certainly saying something. And actually, I don't Good think kicks, I've kicked since. Good kick. <laughs> I think. Um, One I don't think I'll be doing it again. Yeah, no, and actually. Um... And then the other one I was thinking about was the conversation. So I think you were you just said something along, and I'll I'll paraphrase. Rusty, I like it, and another thousand boys at Tunbridge School just want to be told the right answer because I would argue that you need to, you know, I, we just said as as well, you know, it's much more powerful when people realise stuff for themselves. And the reality for you is, with due respect, Ben Earl, you were one hundred and nine kilos at. At, you know, when you start going to the Prem, you're a bit less now. Um, you're going to have to have some other stuff because you're not a typical back row, which, which I'm really excited about. I mean, what do you think about that conversation? I remember it vividly, by the way. Uh, what do I think about that conversation? I think, I think at the time I was, I was a, like we're all um, creatures of our environment. And I think that was certainly the case for me there. And like I said, like, it's taken me a long time, but I hate to admit it, Russell, you're probably right at the time. Um, <laughs> I didn't want you to say that. I'm really, nah, really I, do, I, think, I, think, I think, like you say, it, <sighs> it's always more powerful. Like, and I, like I said, if, you, if, you, if you're getting told something, especially when I was a bit younger, I probably wouldn't have reacted that well to that. Um, and I'm probably better at it now, but I've always found something more powerful when, like you say, when you've worked it out for yourself. And it, it's not easy. Um, you do have to go through some tricky times, whether it's selection or feedback or the reason why you're not playing or I don't think you're doing this very well. And it's tough, but it's it's part of what we buy into and it's, you know, it's what makes us a better player at the end of the day. Yeah, mate, look, I think you're doing some unbelievable stuff now. Like, I'm excited by how you're playing the game. And I do remember, so obviously I was down at Eastbourne and we played Tunbridge. I don't think I was at the match because uh, I was probably doing some economics. And... Uh, I remember lots of the lads going, oh, Ben Earl's playing type stuff. And I was thinking like, so what? Who's Ben Earl type stuff? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I was saying as well. I was saying, I'm playing. That's class. <laughs> what's been, I mean, how's, how's that been? So the transition into a senior environment, what's, what's been the cool stuff they've done to help you at Saris? Because I, I definitely know they do some good stuff. Yeah, so I guess, I guess my first year I, I was... I was loaned out to Amptill for uh, six to seven months, and that was awesome. Um, under Paul Turner, and and they had a they had an interesting makeup of the team. A lot of Islanders, um, very very simple rugby. You probably wouldn't have enjoyed it that much. It was no, a lot of round. That's a good back row, so you'd have got to learn of people like uh, Molotika and Mama Molotika, Kev Barrett, uh, Lecky Latui, um, Vili Massey. Um, so like, all these guys, all these um, experienced heads, and um, the, the big thing I learned was no matter like no matter how good or bad the game went, it was just a game, and it was it was humbling. It was really humbling, and we used to have these awesome bus trips back. They're they're, they're infamous now. They call themselves the Mob, and my God, I've never seen anything like it. It was amazing. Um, so that was a big learning curve. Um, in terms of some cool stuff that the club did for me, so. In my second year, Mark McCall came up to me at the beginning of the season and said, we want you to, you and Max to kind of take a little bit more of a leadership role in the um, Anglo-Welsh Cup. Um, so I, I, I was captain and, and it wasn't something I was massively comfortable with. And going back on it, I didn't do particularly well um, as a captain. But 
they they put on some really cool workshops for me and Max, a bit of public speaking, a bit of um, trying to get a message across without mincing your words, speaking to older players, which I, in the Anglo-Welsh is, it's a trick, it's a weird competition because you've got players there like myself and Max where it's the be all and end all. And then you've got players, um, other players who, who are, are a bit disappointed they're playing in this and not playing at a higher level. So it's, I guess it's a weird dynamic and I learned a huge amount doing that. It wasn't massively successful for me, um, but I learned what kind of leader I was in a way um, because I do things very differently now. Uh, well, that was a John Fletcher question. When, what do you mean by leader? What do you mean by leadership? What's it, what does it mean now? Um, for me, leadership is it's solely actions. Um, the leaders that I've been exposed to now, there's no leadership without playing well and training well and living your values of whatever they may be well. Um, and like I said, I think I got that slightly wrong. I think I was a bit too wordy, Churchillian speeches, whatever. And, and you know, it, I'm not going to lie, it distracted me from playing and I wasn't playing particularly well. Um, and like I said, the, the best captains I've played under, I've not played under a huge amount granted, always, always played well because they knew how, how what makes them tick. It's always yourself first. How can you benefit the team first? And then that captaincy is just that little bit of extra cool-headedness at the moments where times are tough. Yeah, that's a good... good. When you talk about workshops, what type of things, what does that mean? Who was, who was putting on the workshops? Was it other players? Did you... Um, so we had, we had uh, David Jones, who's head of our, like, PDP programme at Sarri's. Um, he he put on a few things. He he knows quite a few people who work in um, in the West End. So we had a few like uh, uh, very uncomfortable, um, very uncomfortable moments. I, I remember this one after training one day. Me and Max were both exhausted, and this woman says, "Right, well, you, by the end of today, you're going to be able to give the best pre-match talk ever." And we were like shouting at each other across this room about like our pre-match talk, um, and it was it was. Very, very awkward, but very like interesting. I learned a lot about um, sometimes saying less is saying more. So you know, there's a lot of because and so that and blah blah blah. Erms, you're not, you weren't allowed to say any erms, and that it's tough if you think about it. Not saying any erms, and that was uh, something I've I've tried to take under my belt a little bit. How do you feel now, just thinking about that stuff? hot under the collar, I can't <laughs> lie, but that, it's, um, You're getting quite that, I, I look back on it fondly, um, a little bit regretful that I didn't make more out of it, but um, again, it was another thing that I learned from and, and hopefully I'm better for it. Yeah, cool, I was, as I said, I was chatting to a storyteller, Claire Murphy, last week and one of the exercises they do, so she decided she was going to be a storyteller and so she got some training and they make sure you, you, you are willing to die on stage. So you've got to have a moment that is like the very bottom of the barrel in front of a room of people. And you <laughs> be comfortable that that can happen. And she said, so it's only ever happened once subsequent to that. And because she'd done it before and she was prepared to deal with it, she was okay. But it's, uh, I, I, feel I feel anxious just telling that story. I couldn't think of anything worse. Honestly, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't think of anything worse. I respect those people so much. It's mad. Yeah, no. mad. I mean, so, I mean, and other stuff I've heard you guys do well is mentoring. So 
I remember Ali Crosdale saying, look, I've got Alex Good mentoring me. I'm thinking, that's a reasonable uh, mentor to have. Yeah. Um, um, is, they do. So I think Peely said the other day, you guys spend a bit of time on your kind of future leaders as well. Yeah. I think, yeah. So like, for example, I had, I was, I was lucky in a way that I had a, a, quite a few people positionally that you, you had there. So I, I'd say my big three were Jackson Callum and Jackson Ray, Cam Clark and Scott Berger um, all gave me insights into different things. So like Skulk, obviously world cup winner, um, legend of the game, but like, the way that he could switch off the moment he steps off the pitch was unbelievable. Um, whilst if you compared that to Callum Clark probably it's a lot better at it now but if you compared that to him 18 months ago he would carry a game with him the whole week or a mistake with him all week and like it was kind of I could see I had all these I had all these players in front of me and I was just trying to literally pick pick little traits out of them that I could pick um, and like, like I said it wasn't it wasn't the conversations I'd have um, on the pitch that, that were revealing to me. It was, it was over a coffee, it was over a beer and it, it can be incredibly daunting and I, I wasn't good at it for, for my first 18 months as a professional but if you ask a player to go for a coffee with you, it's very rare they'll, they'll, they'll say no and you'll get so much more out of someone by sitting at a coffee table with them um, and talking about family and then all of a sudden you're talking about mentality, you're talking about rugby and it, it doesn't sound natural but it, it just happens because it's the life that we both live. Yeah, and I think that would be something Saracens will facilitate pretty well as well, is that kind of informal yeah. stuff, even even through your environment at St Albans. I mean, there's one room you can, can't really go and avoid too many people. No, there's, um, no, there's no team room or anything. The other stuff, actually, I remember about you was, I think we asked you about, you know, who's influenced you, and you started to talk about some of the other players. So you started talking about Tom Curry, and I've learned this from TC, and, and that really interested me that you were kind of like magpieing stuff off lots of people, I guess, because, I mean, with due respect to you, there aren't many, prim- I mean, how tall are you? 5'11"? Yeah, if I touch six foot, I'm wearing trainers. Yeah. I mean, there aren't many sub-six foot back rowers in the Prem because you need to be a line-out option. You need to, you know, all those kind of traditions. I mean, what was that like at a younger age? So what were you noticing about other players and 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 adding to your repertoire? I think, I don't think it was like learning, learning like a technical thing, but it was, if you look at a player like Tom Curry, if you look at a player like, for example, I always talk about Michael Hooper, right? I, I, you know exactly what they're good at. And you know, you know, they're probably world-class in three areas and they carry with them a relentless mentality, especially during games. And I think for me, I was, I was trying to be good at everything and it, it, I was trying to be world-class at everything and I think it's very hard for that. For that. It's, it's impossible, really. And I, I had to work out what I was really good at. And I, I, it's, like I said, it's taken me a while, but I think I finally find my, my thing and, and people, people kind of... And then it's all about upskilling those little areas and staying world-class at whatever those three areas are. What, what, what is your thing? My thing is, my, my thing is I'm trying to look for mismatches that's my thing. Um, so whether it's a, it's a it's a back that's probably not defensively as assured as a forward, or or a forward who's probably maybe not as fast and not expecting something that I've got. Um, it's footwork. It's it's 
basically become, not being another back, but offering something in between a back and a forward that you know allows you to have a bit more of an attacking option. Because my third memory was one of your, I think it was an A-League game at Bath, and you had the ball ripped off you twice. And I was asking you why you were running into people. <laughs> and you were at a stage where you were just trying to find your thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I guarantee I run into people less now than I used to, that's for sure. Um, when you're 102 kilos, it's, it doesn't pay to run into your, to your billies or your macos. So you've got to, it's about picking your battles, I guess, and finding, finding that, that part of the pitch where you're good at. Yeah, and I think also, as the club will... You know, Saracens will clearly know what you're good at and start to try and bring that into the way they play the game as well and, give them, you know, put you in backfields or wherever it might be so you get touches in space against, you know, mismatches, as you call them. Yeah. Um, there's, well, there was one play. We actually didn't get to do it, but we played Northampton during the Six Nations block. And we had a, we had a play where I would lift at the line-out. I'd stay on the wing and... Uh, Wiggy being left-footed, we'd have a breakdown in about the middle of the pitch and he was going to kick it right into the corner in the double line. I was just told to chase it as far as I can. It never actually happened, but it was, um, it was one of the first times there was an actual play for, for me, which was pretty cool. But, um, but like I said, I think, I think as a young player, like, it's, it's also easy to say, oh, I'm, I'm good at this, so I'm not going to do any of the other stuff. I think there's an element of, of biting your tongue and making sure you've got everything covered and then it does take a few games for you to find your your niche or your thing, as I call it. Nice. What? What? Um, I mean, what would be your perfect session? So, you talk a lot about training, and we we chatted off air about it's interesting listening to Four D's perfect session, and I think I asked Marcus his perfect session as well. What would a Ben Earl dream session look like? Um. It would be 15 on 15, so it would be the game. It would play on a proper pitch, um, and it would have consequences. It would be a game of consequences. So if you, if you have front football, you get gain line, you, the ball moves to the 22. Or if you, if you kick the ball out into their opposition 22, you get the ball back. Um, like, little things like that. Uh, if you're too slow to the breakdown, the ball's turned over. I think the best training is done where it's materialistic. Um, that's certainly what I get the most out of, physically and mentally. Um, I think there's only so many drills you can do before you've just got to you've just got to play. Um, and I don't think there needs to be constraints on score. Doesn't need like if there's space, play to space, like that kind of thing. And if you have to affect numbers to play to that space, then so be it. But that would be my perfect session, certainly. Nice. That's uh, that's the England uh, session, isn't it? Usually. Yeah, what do they? I can't remember what they call it. Pressure plus, pressure plus. Like if you're very almost rugby leaguey, you 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 kick into the twenty-two, you get your ball back. Or if you if you if you get the ball back after three phases of losing it, you get, like you move up the pitch a little bit more or something like that. Nice. I like it. Yeah, they have some thoughts around building pressure and putting pressure on the opposition and maintaining momentum yeah. and. And all that kind of language. What's been the big? What's been the biggest kind of moments in the last five years? If I could say, what's been the two mega positive moments that have had impact, and you've gone, wow, that's. And also, maybe what's the one kind of deep intake of breath moment? It doesn't have to be in the last few years. It can be over time. That's okay. Um, massively positive. I would say. 
Um, Playing-wise, there was a game against Leicester this year, away at Leicester. That was a game where I was still unsure of whether, like, you know, whether you had the coach's trust, whether you could, you had your own confidence. And uh, I got two, got two tries that game. That was, that's, that's irrelevant. But I, I just generally felt like I had uh, the best game I'd played in a long time. Um, and it was off the back of a really good pre-season. It was off the back of a really good training week. Um, and my other positive would have been the Racing game last couple of weeks before the Six Nations. We played, we played, Billy broke his arm. We needed a win to, to, to go through. We'd just been told we were relegated. Will Skelton got a red card. Everything had gone wrong. And somehow we ground out a victory. And it's still to, it will be the best game I'll probably ever play in that, in that, in, in my life, probably. Um, negative that, negative that I look back on incredibly fondly was there was a, there was a week where I was, I, I was told I wasn't playing um, and they were going with, with two other players because of a reason which wasn't a reason. And I, I couldn't, I, I, it wasn't a, a, a plausible reason for, to not to get picked. Um, and it, I'd, never, I'd never had, not rage, but I'd never had, it was just gutted. I was like, had nothing inside me. I felt so hollow, like I was devastated that I wasn't playing. I'd got it in my head that I was dead set to play. Um, and I look back on it now and like it's almost laughable because everyone goes through that time and I thought I was the only one and I was you know losing my head and being a bit of a sap but everyone has those moments and it's that kind of it's that kind of um eureka moment where you realize this is what it's about it's not it's not going to get given to you on a plate and you've got to go and get it I guess (laughs) yeah I'm sure the coaches had good reason and that might have been the reason that you actually um, exactly. Where, where does that fit in around you? So where does I've written down mindset? So where does the mental side of the game? Is that something you're working on? Is that something you're mindful of? When did that start for you? Um, I would say it's only happened very recently. So going into camp um, in January, they I don't know if it was Andrew. Um, so Andrea is, is the England psychologist. Um, she kind of came to help the whole uh, World Cup, post World Cup, moving forward, getting better, team first environment. We sat down and uh, we sat down for an hour, and honestly, it was like I'd have my whole past dredged up and spat out. It was uh, I'd never I'd never had a conversation like it. I mean, at one point she said um, it was a line, something like. You're you're just a you're just a talented young kid who who's never had to work for anything, and uh, and you know like there was there was almost certainly an element of of truth in that. Um, but like in terms of mentality, she's she's been massively helpful with me. We stay in touch a lot about, especially in this time where it's like it's all about getting better with no one seeing, and that's that's a mentality you've got to have. And I'm still trying to work on. I'm nowhere near the near near that article of, you know, everyone has moments where they're like, oh, I don't really fancy it. But like, she's been massively helpful for me with that. Um, I'm going to talk a bit about 18s in a second. Ask you the same question: What would have been helpful for you at school then, if you could have your time again as a 14, 15, 16, 17 year old at at the mighty Tunbridge? What would have been useful? Uh, what, if Morgs is listening, which you will be, because he's your biggest fan. Um, what would be not for not just for Morgs, but generally for the kids in the schools? What what do you wish you'd known? 
I wish I'd known how hard it's going to be mentally. And I wish I'd have been, it, it, honestly, if, 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 if I look back on it now, I wish um, I'd been dropped for bad attitude or I wish I'd have done something in training or lost my head and been told to, to not play that weekend. Um, I wish I'd learned more about um, that whole team first thing because it was all about me at school. It was all about, oh, wasn't my run so good? Wasn't my turnover at the end so good? Um, and I could imagine it being quite toxic. Um, so I guess, I guess I'd have, if I could have said something to Morgs now, I'd have said, look, find a way to not pick me at the weekend. Find a way to put me in the seconds. Find a way to... Right. You know, so what I, would have been happening if you'd been on the bench against them? um but yeah that's what i was that's what i would um yeah i I, like i said i never really had any i never really had a setback till i was a professional player which i don't think that can't be helpful i never got injured touch wood uh did you always start for england 18s are we on the bench never on the bench right it was like it was yeah like it, it can't have been it's not good i don't think like i would have I never really had a like I said, never really had a setback till I till I got told I wasn't being played, being played, being picked, and then I was like, "What's this? Like, how do I react to this? How do I? What, what do you mean I'm not being picked? I've never not been picked, so it's like, how does that? How's that helpful at all?" Yeah, we mustn't have thought you were going to be this good because people like Nick and <laughs> deliberately started on benches and stuff. So that would that's because Waltz. That's because you had Waltz in his ear the whole time. <laughs> what? Um... What about 18s? What were you, how was that experience for you? What type of, how would you make that one better? That was, that was awesome, actually. I look back on it, I look back on it so fondly. And, and, and I, guess, I guess at the time it was, it was a little bit frustrating because you were unbelievably challenging and ridiculously annoying. But it was, it was it, in the grand scheme of things, I saw what, 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 what you guys were doing. Um, because once you get into the professional bubble, you you can't you you can't have those those. It just doesn't happen because of for whatever reason uh, the freedom isn't there uh, because you're in a results driven environment, I guess. Um, and I, we were lucky. We played in, in a very talented age group. We had a good year. Um, I don't think we lost any games if we, maybe, well, we lost against France that was the only one I'm glad we lost a game I always um, lose games but yeah so like that was that, that, that's how I'd see it I look back on it incredibly fondly like the, the, the training was mind-blowingly annoying and why aren't we why aren't we just playing off nine from the edge why are why is why is Aaron Painter kicking it the length of the field you know for example like that kind of thing but it was awesome like yeah, looking back on it now and I'd like to think I made the most of it, but you still, you still, you still wonder if you sucked everything out. Yeah, it's um, and and Aaron's sidestep against Scotland was probably my favourite bit of that game, where he just drifted out and then offloaded. And um, yeah, and once again, you wouldn't necessarily think that Aaron was going. I mean, Aaron's done so well, like oh. killing it. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and clearly it's different. You are definitely in the results business, so there'll be some stuff that's different. And yeah, maybe it's you know you, it's it's not your last opportunity, but you'll definitely get some opportunities to try some stuff and become more skillful. And then you know, depending yeah. upon how your team plays, and you guys have you guys have playing, been playing some cool stuff this year. You know, you definitely opened up your game. Yeah, there's a growth in us, that's for sure. Well, what did you think of the 18s? Yeah, what did you do? You remember? <laughs> what do you remember? Yeah. Um, 
I would want to frustrate you. I would want us to lose games because you win most of your games at Tunbridge. I'm just picking on you as an example. Um, saying Marcus will win most of his games. I would want it to be challenging for you. Uh, I feel a bit sad that probably didn't get as many bumps as we could have given you. Um, that's good feedback. Um, I think we would have definitely done it intensely with some people. Um, I've been I'm thinking about you personally. I'm, I did think that there's going to be a, this kid's got something, but at some stage, some people are going to have some assumptions that are going to prevent him progressing. So I think it's pretty cool that both your club and country have gone. Actually, we're not that bothered about size. I would always want to keep a lid on you. Um, I could see you've had lots of success, so I wouldn't want you to get too far ahead of yourself. Um, and, and I would be also aware that you've had lots of success with running over kids that were physically less mature than you. So I would want to um, challenge you to find different ways of going forward. That's why I was aggro when you got the ball ripped off you twice in the A-League game, because I was thinking you've, you've already moved away from some of the cool stuff. Um, I thought the bit that was probably most useful for you was competition around people like the Currys. So I think that would have been a real benefit for you to go, hang on a second, there's some other decent players out here. And yeah, they don't, exactly. They don't live on my fixture list. Yeah, exactly. I never come across the Currys. Well, I'd come across Tom a couple of years before, but um, but yeah, like now, God, they, um, they've done ever so well. What they, I think Ben's on 100 games now for sale. So like, just goes to show. At his age, he's going to be living interesting. What? Uh, how would you have made it better? What would have been the two or three things that you think this would have been? You know, this would have made it even better. I'd have actually loved to have played in a different position. I'd have loved to have played in the backs at some point. I'd have loved to. We spoke about it. Have, we probably. I'd have loved to have yeah. played. I'd love to have played at well, my half or like just for ten minutes or something like that <clears throat> to have an appreciation about the intricacies of what it involves. Um, not to say that I'll ever end up playing there, but like, like now, like you, you, you sometimes, for example, back row sometimes gets sent over for defensive drills or offensive drills in the wide channels, and like sometimes you're like, "How is this the first time I'm doing this?" And I'm I'm four years into a career, and and I've played rugby since I was what 12, 11, 12. Like, I, I've never I've never learned how to defend with an outside back, or I've, it's just it's just like, oh, forwards defend like from first defender to eighth defender and then it's the backs like it's never ever that tidy and I in fairness to you guys you made training as untidy as you possibly could but um I'd have loved to have tried playing in a different position that's for sure I played one game for Bath at 12 against Newcastle and I wish I'd played 12 all my career now I might not have been that good but <laughs> one of my favorite positions and that's the reality the reality is because forwards train like that you're able to find mismatches so all the guys that are really good at putting their hand up and shouting guard they're really good at putting their hand up and shouting guard yeah exactly they really struggle in the in the slightly wider spaces and, uh, and they're stuff? always gonna, they're always going to be there at some point yeah yeah any other stuff so i'm hearing um forwards in the backs a bit more which would excite me uh, <clears throat> No, I think I think on the whole it was it was it was an awesome environment. We had a great bunch of lads. Uh, we did loads of stuff socially. We always did a few team meals out during the week. Um, 
and we were 18 year old we, we were 18 year olds having the best time and like we were just playing rugby and I guess that was kind of you know it, you look back on it almost romantically but it was a, it was a really really fun period how um how about the kind of forwards guys so let's talk about like let's talk about Waltz and Richard Hill uh, did yeah. you have, did you have Luffers as well or Peely we had Luffers for um we had Luffers for a little bit yeah we had Luffers as well yeah not no Peely cool. he left the year we came tell me about the forward stuff what were the, what were your experiences there with those guys um yeah it was it was again frustrating i remember we, we had the day before a game it was like it was wales or something and as well you know playing the welsh it's naturally quite a feisty game and and waltz was like we were meant to be just doing like our drill and like just learning like making sure everyone's got confidence and <clears throat> waltz was like challenging us with speed and tempo and it was like i oh, i think at one point nick Azikwe turned around and said well it's like let us just practice or whatever like I think you might have been a bit rude than that but like you could see what he looking back at now you could see what he's trying to do like and I guess I guess I guess like actually in those environments where he's trying to speed you up or he's giving you different stimulus it's about finding control in yourself and 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 actually tempo isn't always fast fast rapid rapid it's it's your own tempo whatever that is and that's something that he was massively helpful with us um we also did this thing. I, I don't know if you remember. The night before the game, I think it was night before the game. Used to get all the forwards in the, in a room, and um, you were, used to get us get us all to put our heads down and um, do like a whole match rehearsal. It was awesome. Like, and I loved them. And like the only problem is you'd come out of there and you'd be like, right, I'm ready to play the game. And it was like nine pm, and you'd have the game not till <laughs> not till four the next day. But um, but that was something really interesting and not something I'd done before. And I remember at the beginning doing it and being like, this is, this is rubbish. And then like, by the end, you were like shouting the calls of the scrums <laughs> and like, it was awesome. Now, it's like, again, look back on it massively fondly. And I, like, Waltz is, Waltz is a great, like not only a great coach, but a great guy. And we'll tell you how it, tell you how it is. Um, something you can always respect. Yeah, that's something people would sometimes challenge Waltz on, would they? They think he's quite pink and fluffy, but I think because he has such good relationships, he has such powerful conversations with people. Yeah, I think that's where people mistake, like, I'll always, I think naturally humans will only, will respond, especially rugby players, will respond better when there's a, when there's a relationship there. Um, so if someone comes up to me and just says something about me needs to work on this, I'll probably be a bit standoffish. But if I've got a relationship with, for example, Peely, Wolves, Al Sanderson, and, you know, we have had, a, we've had beers together, we've had nights out together, we've had coffees together, whatever, and, and, like, all of a sudden he's saying, I want this because I want the best for you, and, like, I think you should be doing more of this or less of this. Like, that, um, it's gospel, it's happening, it's done. Like, that's how, that's how, that's how I'm wired anyway. I'm sure most people are the same. I'm all in. I, I was just thinking about poor old Nick Aziki because poor old Nick the day before a game, that's not going to be helpful. I mean, it's going to be a good challenge for Nick. He's a bag of nerves when he's calling as well. So, like, <laughs> it's his birthday today as well. So, if he hears this, we got it. But, um, but yeah, no, nah, I think, again, I think he still gets calls from Waltz now, you know, like, like just checking in and, and whatever. But, um, but like, yeah, I, I guarantee if you if you speak to Nick, Waltz will be top top three inspirations in terms of influence. Top three, he'll definitely take that. Yeah, I think uh, the other the visualization on the Marcus pod. So 
Was Marcus your, your age group or not? He was a year below, but I think he played a couple of games with us, I think. Yeah. Because he, uh, he spoke about the visualisation, so he was like... So I was like, Marcus, didn't you used to go into the visualisation? And he was like, oh, I loved it. I was like, I thought he was just going in just because it was like a forwards meet. He was like, oh, no, no, no. Keep it on, keep it on. He's like, I loved it. It's exactly, it's exactly it's keep it on, keep it on. Keep it on. Go, yeah, no, brilliant. I'm, uh, I, no, I like, again, not something I've done um, a huge amount. I think you, some people do it subconsciously. Like I, I, in the morning of the game, if I'm having breakfast, I'll, I'll think about the game and I'll think about perfect scenarios. Um, I think it's only natural. Like everyone has envisions of themselves scoring from 80 meters out, but like you have, you have things that you always um, have envisions of, if you, especially if you're trying to work on something. Nice. And Richard Hill, tell me about Richard Hill MBE. Has he been useful? <laughs> Richard Hill MBE has been, have to, been very useful. I have to call him Richard Hill MBE. I mean, tell me about him as a, as a mentor or a, you know, whatever you would call him. Um, he's been, he's been ma- massively helpful in terms of more off-pitch, I think. Um, more, again, mentality, again, less technical more emotional, um, especially in those first, well, those first couple of camps I did with England, Hilly, Hilly was huge with me. Um, I used to get very um, frustrated because Ed, Eddie, Eddie has a way of coaching which is made, meant to make you feel uncomfortable. Um, I remember my first session, first ever session with England before the South Africa tour, um, said training was at like 11 and I, I rocked up, at, thought I was really keen and turned up at 10.45. Um, only to find out that training actually starts at 11 and everyone's been preparing since 10. And I was like, <laughs> oh, just what I just, again, I've just felt like so flustered. And then the first thing we do, we just play like a bit of like, I think we just play touch or something. I've got the ball off the edge and I've taken it standing still. And he stopped the whole session. Bear in mind, I'm already in bag of nerves. I'm all over the place. He stopped the whole session. Like every player like just said like you have taken the ball standing like what have you done wrong what have you done wrong what have you done wrong I'm like I don't know what I've done wrong but like then like I've come out of that session feeling like the worst rugby player in the world but like Hilly's like arm over the shoulder he says oh, don't worry like whatever like and now I'm the, I'll always be I'll always remember that like it was it, it was it was a it was a make or break moment at that point I was almost getting the car warm again to head home but now like um, I, I'll always remember little things like that he he's been massively helpful with me. Him and Walter would be very good at spotting people that needed an arm around the shoulder. Very, very good. And sometimes not. Sometimes less, less arm on the shoulder, more kick up the backside. Walter, yeah. Walter always knew, that's for sure. Nice. Uh, do, do you do any coaching at the moment? Do you ever go and coach? Do you go back to school and stuff? Um, I've been a little bit back to school. Um, just a bit more casual. I'm not really, I'm not really sure what my, next, what my next thing is. It could be coaching. Um, I, th- I don't think it would be don't think it would be results coaching first team coaching I think it's I think the let's, game let's get your, let's get the next 10 15 years of your career out of the way so don't, let's not let's not stress about that I well just... you say that so I I um I uh I, I lived with Joel Conlon for a period of time just before Joel's been Christmas. over in Italy hasn't he yeah so like he, he's it's something I something I've kind of gone on the journey with him so when I was living with him he was was did he want to coach? Did he not want to coach? And and he always said he never wanted to do result first team coaching. You want to do more development. Always spoke about Fletch and and yourself and Waltz and you know what 
what that did for him. Um, and I think that's, I think it's inspirational. It's the testament that you guys leave and, and the lasting, lasting mark, I guess. Yeah, I spoke to Joe over in Italy. He's a, he's a nice, he's a great guy, isn't he? He's had some tough times in rugby, so I hope he has. He has, and you, you can't blame him if he walked away tomorrow. But he, he's, he's actually loving out there. I think he's actually back now, obviously. But he, he, he was loving out there, and and you know he saw a pathway for himself, which I think is what he wanted. Nice. What would uh, if Ben Earl was coaching in a development session? What would it look like? What you, what would you hope uh, the kids would be saying? I, I hope the kids would, you know, I, I hope they would, yeah, it sounds, it sounds cheesy. You'd, you'd obviously want them to enjoy it, but um, I'd hope it would be untidy, you know? And I, I think, I think like if I did a coaching session now and there were loads of balls dropped, I would, I would get annoyed. But like as a development coach, that's almost what you'd want. You'd want transition. You'd want um, balls dropped. You'd want loads of ball movement around small spaces. Um, and then changing up, small space, big space, like that kind of thing. But um, I think at the moment it would be like I'd make sure I keep trying to rein myself back so I don't get frustrated with the whole balls down and <laughs> and forwards kicking, etc. Because I'd probably just I'd probably just carry it with me for the next day. <laughs> yeah, you would be. I would have some strong memories of you getting frustrated by stuff sometimes going wrong. But I guess it's then what you learn from that moment. Um, yeah, exactly. And I guess I guess again it's perspective isn't it like and and i guess i guess in a way if you'd have said to us we want like we want people to we want people to be stretched we want people to be challenged we want we want people to try skills which run out their skill set if you said that at the beginning of the session i'd have probably been fine but like it was never said it was like right we're just going to do this and then like all of a sudden X, Y, and Z are kicking the ball and, and throwing pass out the back when you could just throw him normally. And it was like, Gabs is holding the ball in one hand like this. And everyone's, just, I'm just losing my head. I'm like, you just carry it in two hands. Just run straight, please. Thank you. Right, that's, uh, that's tough for me to Im- imagine you being in that session now. I feel quite bad. I'm on. <laughs> Emotional trauma, but no, better for it. And what are your hopes of Bristol? Obviously, you're going to move to Bristol for a, for a season loan, is it? Yeah. Yeah. What's the apart from well, your house eventually? Uh, I guess, I guess it's learning something new. Um, I've been I've been with Saris since I was fourteen, so I like I'm I'm almost brainwashed in a way. So I'm looking forward to to seeing a different perspective. Heard good things about Pat Lamb. Heard some interesting um, stuff. New training facility, great brand um, suits me down to the ground. So I guess that's it. But. Uh, I guess first and foremost, I'm just just going to enjoy it because like there's an element of guilt for me, especially leaving leaving the club for a year, um, almost for an individual reason rather than like a team reason. So um, I just try and enjoy it and and make sure that I'm a better player when I come back. Nice. You got marvelous Max Malins to live with. You got Harry Randall. You got some um, Piers O'Connor who would have played against you for Eastbourne College. At Eastbourne College. Uh, you'll get to some, some. They got some skillful young players. Yeah, exactly. And like, there, there's going to be competition for places there, and they've got a good thing going. And yeah. me and Max are hopefully going to go in there and, and offer what we can. But like Max is what I think Fletcher always said it. Technically, the best, best one of the best players he's coached. So he's got a lot to live up to. Like, uh, always Fletcher always used to say that. Yeah, he did somehow. He said. Don't uh, tell him I said that though. No, he won't. 
Mike, it's been awesome. I really, uh, it'd be great to catch up with you for coffee when you're in Bristol. Yeah. I'm not going to do the one worders for you because I'll get you in trouble. I know I will. <laughs> um, it's been great to catch up. Thanks, mate. Have a good day. Enjoy. Stay safe. Same to you, mate. Bye. Enjoy, mate. Bye bye.